want to read a passage. It's from the book of Ephesians, and this is what it says. So these were the gifts that Jesus gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for the work of service, and so build up the king's body. As Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesian church, he's declaring to them that they are, and we are the body of Jesus himself, the living embodiment of God here on earth. And he's reminding them of that. The part that each plays in order to build up the whole, build up the king's body so that the body will actually be the visible expression of who he is. He goes on and writes, The purpose of this is so that we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty and in knowing God's son. Then we shall reach the statue of the mature man, the stature of the mature man. That's Jesus himself, measured by the standards of kings of the king's fullness. As a result, we won't be babies any longer. We won't be thrown this way and that on a stormy sea, blown about by every gust of teaching, by human tricksters there, by their cunning and deceitful scheming. You see, what he's trying to impress upon them is not only are they the body of Jesus here, the visible expression of God incarnate here on earth, but that the measure that you're supposed to grow to is actually the expression of the, the true, fully human one, Jesus himself. And then he finishes off this section with these words. Instead, we must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything into him. That is, into the king who is the head. He supplies the growth that the whole body needs, linked as it is and held together by every joint which supports it. With each member doing its own proper work, then the body builds itself up in love. The picture that Paul's painting here is that there's a body of Jesus, the incarnate expression of him on earth, and it's us, it's you and me. It's together, young and old, women and men, boys and girls, various nationalities, it's us. And then he goes on and says, that's the measure of the fullness that we're supposed to be encouraging each other towards. That's what the expression is supposed to be. And mostly, he defines and says the way in which growth happens is that it's supplied by Jesus himself to his own body. And even more to that, we're to grow up into everything into him because one day, he says in Ephesians 4.10, the one who came down is the one who also went up, yes, above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The future destiny and the uh, future goal of the world is actually going to be summed up in Jesus Christ. I don't quite know what that looks like, but Jesus will fill everything everything and all in all the heavenly sphere will come down into the earthly sphere and the whole creation will see Jesus in a manifest way that you and I can hardly imagine and so Paul's trying to impress on them be the body of Jesus visible expression of him here on earth and work together to build one another up he supplies the power for that but you play a part in it as well we partner together So if there was a strategic focus for this year that I would like to come into 2020, it's simply this, is that we might grow up and that we might grow up into him. So I want you to think for a moment. Maybe you'd like to close your eyes and just recall a time in your life in which you know you grew as a human being. Try and locate a time in your life in which you know that you grew I wonder, was that through adversity? Was that through ease? Was that through opportunity? What caused you to grow? 
Now, I want to switch it a moment. Think about a time in your life in which you were most caught up in Jesus Christ and you knew you were growing in him. Can you locate that time in your life? What was happening for you? Was it through adversity? Was it through opportunity? Was it through ease? What was going on? Because part of the role that we play together is that we're supposed to build one another up in such a way that we become more like Jesus. Not just individually, but corporately. So what was it that caused you to grow? Jesus is the source, but something else was going on. Okay, now you can open your eyes. Next year, I'd like us strategically to focus on growing. And it's a responsibility that you have individually and that I have as a leader governing the church life here. What can I do to help facilitate growth? And what can you do to help facilitate your growth? Some years ago, we looked at various churches around the world and was reading a number of documents. And we we're trying to figure out what is it that causes growth. And we've identified nine. We've sat on them for years. We've operated by them. But here's what they are. As I go through this, just brush through these nine, I want to talk about some of the things I want to strategically implement for next year as well as cause you to think, what is it that has caused my growth? And what is it in 2020 that I believe will affect further growth in my life. And so that's what this card is for. On the flip side of this card are three different points. You can put down more if you like or just reduce it to one. What is God speaking to you specifically about tonight that he's going to be provoking in you to cause your growth for next year? What will that look like? I'd like you to commit to doing and writing it down so that you can place it somewhere to say, God, in accountable space with you, I need you and I want you to grow me. And I can't do it alone. So the first one is encountering the Holy Spirit. There are sometimes people have experiences in their life, maybe it's in a worship space, maybe it's in a prayer space, you've, you're walking and you see a magnificent landscape, or, or maybe the Holy Spirit just touches your life in ways that you can't account for, you didn't plan for, but the, the Spirit's presence is with you. There's a joy, there's a peace, there's an exuberance, there's a praise that comes that you can't account for apart from it's God's Holy Spirit. Two strengths that I think we have, well, firstly, is that people who resemble Jesus. Every week when people come in here and they're outsiders, they don't know much about Jesus, overwhelmingly people continue to say the welcome of people is rich and real. I experienced that in Scotland in the church I was going to, the Baptist church over there. So one of the expressions they had was this, this warmth and this welcome, this family, and it felt familiar to me. I think one of the most powerful strengths if we have to speak into a world that says everything is flat, all that we have is here and now, is the encounter with people who are filled with God's spirit. It just pours out of their pores, their body, and it's real. The second thing that I want to press into next year, and I think our culture is looking for this, is that not only do I want to say, show us a better way to live, an alternate way that's visibly expressed through the people, but even more so, I want to know does your God work? Does your God work? Is he real? Is he alive? Does he make a difference in your life? 
And for this reason, I want to press into exploring more of the person of the Holy Spirit in our community next year. Now, I haven't got this all worked out. But what I'd like to do, because I've just spent a year away pouring intellectual stuff into my head, and that's been good. But it's not at the expense of the Spirit of God. So I'd like us to move into a space here where we actually say, God, to actually be missional people here in a flat land, we need a real living God and we need to open up ourselves for that. I don't care what tradition you come from. What I'm talking about is actually being more open to the working of the Holy Spirit. So this is what I'm planning for and I've already booked it in. I've got Lynn Moracy coming. She is a lecturer at Whitley College and she was at um, formerly Tabor College, Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I'm going to ask, and ask you to commit to, because I'd like as many people here in the church as possible. She's going to come on February the 9th in a Sunday afternoon, so probably in a four or five o'clock space. Sunday afternoons, the February the 9th, 16th, 23rd, March 1st, 8th, 15th, 22nd, and then we're going to regroup on the 29th, so the next time we meet here and say, how do we start to implement the stuff that Lynn taught us about? I've got Lynn coming in because she's been teaching on this, and it's good to have an outsider come in. And she will shake the tree, believe you me. I know, Lynn, she's been with us before, but that's good. Because one of the things I want us to be able to do is to say, God, how do we implement you as far as prompting us in the spirit into this space? I imagine that there'll be some people activated as a result of it. They have a prophetic gift that might come down to me on a Sunday morning, hand me a card. And so I really sense that there's someone here who needs prayer for. And at the end of our gathering, we might just say, you know what, we've got some people here who just sense that God might be saying, and there's some prayer over there. I don't quite know how that will work. I want to run it through our values. I want it to be a missional space here as well. But I want the power of God's spirit in our presence even more so. Do you understanding what I'm saying? I don't quite know what that looks like, but would you come on a journey with me? Encountering the Holy Spirit. My heart burst open when I had an encounter of the Holy Spirit. I remember driving to uni and I'd put on a worship CD, no, cassette tape, and just sing my little heart out. Weird stuff happening inside of me, shifting my mind and my thinking about what was important in life. can only put it down to God's Spirit breathing new life into us. I wonder if you've had encounters with the Holy Spirit, there's been a formative way for you to actually come alive to him. And, and, and if not, maybe that would be one of the areas that you would say, God, I would like to start praying and asking that you would do a move of your spirit inside of me. Now, be careful. If you ask for that, it's dangerous because he might just very well show up. But how hungry are you for it? Encountering the Holy Spirit. Wow. Number two, experiencing a defining moment. These are the ones in which we can't really plan for. It just happens. There's a grief. There's a challenge. There's a wall you hit. And all of a sudden, the faith that you've had no longer fits the box. And you have to do something in that space. I love this. You don't always learn new things in times of grief and tribulation. You fall back upon the things you know and hold on for dear life. Which makes you ask, what are you cultivating beforehand? Last, oh, well, nearly a year ago now, I started at, at St. Andrews. And if you had taken anyone and dropped them out of their comfort zone, that was kind of me in that I was a teacher now becoming a student. I was someone who knew a whole bunch of people who knew no one. I was someone who was Australian going to Scotland. Really deep down, I'm Scottish. And uh, 
I got dropped into all the places that will make you uncomfortable most decidedly and then get into a place where you're starting to learn things about philosophy and you're interacting in an intellectual and I haven't done it for 20 years. I tell you what, Bron received a lot of phone calls from me. Pray for me. Help. 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 But what would I do? Turn on the worship song and play it over and over and over and over and over again sit in a chair down in the lounge room, open up my Bible and read it and say over and over again, God, would you help me? Jesus, will you help me? Jesus, will you help me? And he provides his grace, sometimes through adversity, but it grows you. I wonder if it's experiencing a defining moment, if that's what switched you on in your faith and grew you. Exercising spiritual practices. This has got to do with the pray, Bible, worship Fasting, silence, confession. There's more different spiritual practices out there. The tricky thing about this is that you think sometimes information in will do translation and actually transformation out. It doesn't work that way. The truth of the matter is, is that you open up conversational prayer, you start to immerse in the Bible, you can even sing the songs, and if your heart's not in it, if you're not hungry for it, it's just like bouncing off a wall. So the preclude to this is that you want. One of the most defining questions I had in Scotland was near the very last class. Mark, who was from the US, philosopher, stuck his hand up after Professor Tom Wright, the most well-read New Testament scholar ever. And he was giving one of his, his last, last lecture to us. And he was talking about all the history and the context and all the other information you need to know in order to interpret the Bible. So Mark stuck up his, his hand and Professor Wright pointed to him. And his question was this. He said, Professor Wright, my mum was a single mum. She had eight kids that she was raising. And she had this funny idea that if she actually read the Bible and actually imported it into her kids, that it would make a difference in their life. After hearing all the different things you're saying and how much she needs to know about this, this, and this, this, and this before you can actually read it, was she wasting her time? I turned to him and I said, mate, that is the best question that has been asked all year. He was very gracious in his response. He said, actually, Mark, to be honest, there's more than enough in the Bible that if just anyone opens it up and starts to read it, there's enough that will help them understand who God is, who Jesus is, how he wants to work in their life and who they are. I like that. You see, it all starts with starting to put routines in your life that says, I actually want to grow. And it starts with just giving it a crack and being open and saying, God, would you speak to me? Exercising spiritual gifts and strengths. You see, you don't always see what you have. That's what the body is for. Part of pointing out all the different strengths and gifts that you have is when other people around here rub shoulders with you and says, you're good at that, you should do that. Exercising spiritual gifts and strength. Is that what turned you on in faith? Or have you been sitting on your hands and you have a latent gift that you're not using, but it needs to be? Five, exposure to practical teaching. This does my head in every Sunday, I want you to know this. I'm committed to doing practical teaching, but this is one of the things that we came up with as a catalyst for faith and growth and life. The, the thing that does my head in is, where do I pitch a Sunday at 10? 
We could go do some really deep Bible study. I mean, we could go deep. I mean, we could go like submarine deep. Or we could just skim along the surface like a hovercraft. Where do I pitch it every Sunday? And so what I've come back, and I was chatting with the principal of MST a week or two ago about this, is that our culture is biblically illiterate. How do I balance between helping people to navigate the Bible and actually helping them discover how God can speak to them? And so you would have seen me over the past weeks refer more biblical stuff, and I'm trying to balance those things between the two. But I know you're going to do most of the growing yourself in small groups and clusters and by yourself. That's where it will happen most profoundly But on a Sunday morning, what I'm trying to do is balance some practical things like today as well as some deeper themes and contexts. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So work with me on it, but know that that's the point we're trying to get to is to say, how do we allow outsiders, insiders to actually collectively get together? Here's some areas of focus for, for next year. The Gospel of Matthew, I want to talk about Kingdom of Heaven again. I want to talk about a theology of suffering and lament because as Jesus followers, we're not always really great at acknowledging suffering and lament and it's really there in the Hebrew Bible and it would help us in how do we live with the in-between space of sometimes God being great and big, but I'm still stuck in a hole. Identity. I want to work on identity because that's such a profoundly big thing in our culture today. And if we get their desire... How to deal with desire in a healthy manner. We have marketing agencies that are spending billions of dollars to get you to spend stuff and they are working at a level of desire. If we don't talk about that, how are we going to actually even navigate it in our own lives? And so I'm going to try and run those things through our our web of authentic, accessible, relevant and generous, the theme in our texts. That's it. Number six, exposure to inspiring people. Do you remember the time in which someone actually spoke to you? They mightn't have been a hugely um, famous person, but someone got alongside you. They pulled you in and they grew you and they inspired you in faith. I wonder if you could be that for someone else. Was that what got you going? Or number seven, exposure to an external event. We've got 17 young people going over to the Philippines. So there's short-term mission trips. There's conferences to go to. There's camps that, that can actually get you rubbing shoulders with other people. But I tell you, sometimes exposure to external event is a powerful thing. Number eight, engagement with a flourishing church. Are you a one in a tour? A one in a threer? A one in a fourer? What will that look like in 2020? Because I know this about food. I may not be able to tell you what I ate three weeks ago, but I know it nourished me. That's how church and life and small groups and rubbing shoulders with Jesus followers does. You might not remember what you ate three weeks ago, but it still nourished you. Is that what turned you on to faith and catalyzed you? Or number nine, engagement with an accountable, smaller community. I did this over in Scotland. Landed, no one, life group. We cried together, we laughed together, we ate together, we did life together. Life groups. At the end of it, when we said goodbye, it was like tearing family members apart. Remember, we ran an alpha group. That's my focus for next year. I'm going to be doing alpha explosion. I'm going to be doing so many alphas, they're going to come out of my nose and ears, and I want other people to join me. But 
I found we did an alpha, some people became Christians. And I remember watching them grow in that space. It was awesome. There's nothing like seeing people's lives transformed that just gets me every time, brings it alive. An engagement within an accountable, smaller community. So let me ask you now, as we're coming to a close, which of these caused the greatest growth in your life? Just pause for a moment. Look at those. Which are the ones? The truth is we need all nine, I reckon, at different times in different places. But I know this about growth. Growth is responsive and adaptive. We grow when the amount of stress to the system is sufficient enough to activate the resources available to it. Whilst growth can occur outside of my daily schedule, what we do know for sure is that if we don't schedule for growth, we're planning to remain exactly where we are. And that's what our world wants. That's what the evil one wants. He wants you to tread water and remain stunted and not grow anymore and remember the good old days of your faith back then and drift, arrest the growth. This is what I do know. The simple truth is that we grow in between the spaces. So I want to ask you, what are going to be your in-between spaces next year where you stretch yourself, where you're a little bit out of control, where you're pushing the boundaries, maybe of your comfort zone, maybe in your giftedness, maybe in ways in which you would press in and cause growth? Jesus causes the growth. We play our part. So how about I pause for a moment, take your card. Would you take a pen that's near you? And I'm going to give you a moment just we're coming to a finish. And by the Spirit of God, I wonder if he's speaking to you today, now, this moment. What do you need in 2020 to help sustain your head above the water? What do you need in 2020 that will help cause and facilitate growth? What's the spirit prompting in you? You set the measure. We'll do our part. Let's work together. I'll finish with this. When Bron and I first moved to our house, I didn't know that it used to be called the dark house that was the scary place. Why? Because there were so many darn trees that had been planted there and they'd grown up over the years that it was just a shadow. The house was just in shadow. I remember there was a huge cypress out the front of our place that just engulfed everything else. There was a little plant, it was a Daphne. Daphne's a beautiful plant, but it would sit there stunted, not grow. And it sat like that for years until we removed the cypress. You see, when you remove some dark things from your life and let the light shine, it grows. That Daphne exploded into a full-orbed bush. You could smell its fragrances. It's as though it had been waiting, lamenting, sitting there stagnant for years waiting for the light to shine.
There's another thing that causes a stunting in our growth that causes us to arrest and to drift. And that is when we know we've got something dark in our lives, some bigger thing that's actually causing a gap and a distance between God and ourselves. And so sometimes in order to allow the light to shine, we need to say no to some things and yes to some others, do some confession of things and say welcoming of others, to stop some behaviors that he doesn't want and welcoming of others so his light can shine. The Bible says don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to grow you. But sometimes there's a challenge. I wonder what Jesus might be saying to you. What needs to be removed sometimes in order that you may grow? What will growth look like in your life in 2020? I want our strategic direction for 2020 to be let's grow up in Jesus. And then let's get together next year and celebrate the goodness of God together. How about I pray? Father God, I just ask you might seal the things that you're talking about and speaking about here to people right now. I ask that you might light a fire, light a flame, and make it shine. And Jesus, the things that you're prompting and nudging in us that we're writing down and taking away, would they not leave us? May you persistently dwell with us so that we might grow. Because one day, you are going to fill all in all. And we are just joining you in the work that you're going to weave into your mighty redemptive act. And we say, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Son of God. Come, Heavenly Father. Grow us. Amen. Thanks, Troy.